briefing concerning the operations and programming of KBU in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBU Community Radio's open meeting policy is available by calling the station at 503-231-8032. Meetings will be conducted at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue, Portland, Oregon, unless otherwise noted. The Program Advisory Committee meets the second Tuesday of each month at 6 p.m. Please call 503-231-8032 to verify if a meeting is being held. I'm out to sing songs. It'll prove to you that this is your world and that it has hit you pretty hard and knocked you down. For a dozen loops, no matter how hard it's run you down and rolled over you, no matter what color, what size you are, how you're built, I am out to sing the songs that will make you take pride in yourself. I'm Lori Sonnenfeld. And I'm Don Jacobson. Together we bring you Moving On, Fridays from 12 noon to 1.30. We feature both traditional and contemporary folk music. We love to present live in-studio concerts from local and national musicians. Tune in and you'll hear music that is socially progressive, moving, and heartfelt. Music heard only on the left-hand edge of the dial and only on KBU. Every Friday, noon to 1.30. We who believe in freedom that is coming up in just an hour because it is now 11.01 a.m. Coming up, we'll hear a Radio Geekly. And it is again time for me to, in accordance with my honor, privilege, pleasure, and contractual obligations to remind you that KBOO programming is made possible by KBU listener members, that's you, and support from Portland Underground Graduate School, a local independent learning community offering courses and workshops for continuing lifelong learning, scholarships and other tuition opportunities available, course options and more information online at pugspdx.com. And now, as promised, this is a Radio Geekly. Hi, this is Anna from PDX Guild of Geeks, and you are listening to a Radio Geekly on KBOO. folks thanks so much for tuning in to another exciting episode of a radio geekly i'm just jess and we've got some holiday hijinks for you this month so uh, let's get started as most of you know we uh, lost a few legends here in the uh, geek world starting earlier this year with isao takahata who was one of the animators in the studio ghibli franchise he passed away back in april then Spongebob creator Steven Hellenberg passed away at the end of November, and also in November, comic books writer Mr. Stan Lee. 
Now, for those of you who know about Stan Lee, he is most well known for the uh, creation of a lot of the characters in the Marvel universe. So this segment by Open Mic Music pays homage to Mr. Stan Lee, as well as some of his favorite characters from the Marvel franchise. So take a listen to that, and we will be back. But as far as I'm concerned, security ought to be beefed. Good morning, Dr. Krenzler. Security ought to be beefed up a lot more. In a place like this, you can't... Welcome back to the Baxter, Dr. Richards. I've got the usual for you. Good to have you back, sir. Thanks, Willie. Uh, invitation, sir. Um, I should be on that list. Name? Stanley. Yeah, uh, nice try, buddy. No, nice no, try. really, nice I'm try. Stan Lee. Yeah. You know, I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. This is Open Mic Music for Radio Geekly. This edition is we're going to pay tribute to an amazing, fantastic, spectacular personality, writer, an influential human being, Stan Lee. Where do we begin talking about a man who created universes, a man that created beings, an amazing man who had a vision that was purely imagination and how he took his imagination and created what we experience so much today in cinema and comic books and television. I'm talking about Marvel. Let's start with the beginning of one Stanley Martin Lieber. Yes, that was Stanley's alias and I apologize, but we we all know that he was a great man and he was a superhero and all the amazing things and fantastic things that he did but yes Stanley Martin Lieber was like myself a New York City native at the age of 19 years old he acquired a job as an intern editor and that allowed him to use his imagination and use all of his creativity and create these characters that we myself included love so much because my introduction to comic books was purely through Stanley's influence and how much he influenced my life and how I looked at different parts of my life and life around me and one of the main characters that I instantly uh, grasped hold to and I related to was Spider-Man and Stan Lee's his input and the way he built his characters mostly his characters were built around real life situations real life behaviors and, and problems and things that teenagers like he understood and he transferred that into the, each and every one of his characters and pretty much with Spider-Man I related to the whole Peter Parker plight of losing someone at a young age and having that taken away from you and being able to deal with other 
aspects of your life and growing up and being able to become, you know, going through teenage uh, problems and becoming that teenager. So I could totally relate to all the things that Peter Parker was going through in Spider-Man. But the thing that I enjoyed most about Stan Lee was Stan Lee had a, a vision. He had a goal. His imagination just continued on and on and I picked Spider-Man in particular because it seemed to me Spider-Man was actually one of Stan Lee's probably his most favorite character and in the early years of Stan Lee you can see the first animated series appeared on television in the Electric Company in 1974 and they cleverly uh, named that episode the Spidey series, the super stories of Spider-Man. And it was made for TV and it was a mini part series that they showed, particularly on Electric Company. And the Spider-Man was completely silent. So you got like the cartoonish or the comic bookish bubble words that would appear on the screen. And that was a way of not only introducing Spider-Man as a physical character on television but also gave children that opportunity to continue to learn and read and see the bubbles that appeared over the character's head so I also thought that was very interesting as a kid I ex I was very excited about that and enjoyed that a lot and then once again Stanley didn't stop there. He started a Spider-Man three-part series, The Amazing Spider-Man, that went from 1977 to 1981. Now, with that was actually the full character of Spider-Man. And you can see the physicality of the transformation from comic book to the actual screen and the influence that's that Stanley had on that project and in that character itself it embodied a whole new perspective it crossed like boundaries of comic books being specifically for children and it transferred it to adults actually being interested in this and that Spider-Man like I said it ran from 1977 to 1981 and it had a prime time slot a time slot where adults actually had that opportunity to watch that program then Stanley Marvel and Stanley went back to the animation series they did the animated uh, version of Spider-Man in 19 um, 79 and they did the animated version of Spider-Woman they wanted to expand on how they viewed the whole Spider-Man series and incorporated a female version of Spider-Man and that was the beginning of a long series of different projects that included one of the most noticeable Marvel characters at that time which was Spider-Man Spider-Woman appeared on television in an animated version in 1979. Then there was an animated series, Spider-Man, in 1981. And then once they got done with all the animated stuff, or they wanted to move from the, the animated stuff onto the big screen, that's when 2002, the movie with Tobey Maguire appeared on our screens, and we actually got that 
full-size version of my amazing spider-man as i always say but anyway there's so many other things that stan lee was involved in during the late 70s as well forgot to mention uh the incredible hulk series that ran a few years on television starring bill bixby and also co-starred lou ferrigno at the time lou ferrigno was um, a runner-up to Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's a whole different story, but through The Incredible Hulk, the television series, it was quite successful amongst middle-aged adults and, and teenagers, and it kind of, once again, put that prime-time superhero slot to work. As a, a teenager, I clearly can remember the slogan, uh, you don't like me when I'm angry don't make me angry you know but yeah um stan lee did a great deal for marvel and cinema and comic books if you ever was a follower of the marvel series any of the cinema movies you can always catch that little glimpse of that cameo of stan lee and that was a part of his swagger that was a part of his character, his personality, and it was a, flex, a reflection of him and all his characters and all this quirkiness and this. He was a great creative writer and editor, and he will be sorely missed. There is not enough that can be said about Stan Lee, but I will say Excelsior. With great power comes great responsibility. And that's just coming to you from your neighborhood Spider-Man. Thank you, Stanley. Gotta love the Ramones there with the theme song to Spider-Man, the cartoon. Uh, <laughs> and thanks, Open Mic, for that homage to Mr. Stan Lee. I'm just Jess. This is a Radio Geekly. And for this month's episode, we have some holiday hijinks for you to enjoy. Godiva Lee, one of our collective members, sat down with some folks from the Orcs, Orcs, Orcs Dungeons & Dragons pop-up tavern to talk a little bit about their creation, what they all do, and how people can get involved. My name is Anthony Cafiero. I am the tavern master organizer of Orcs, Orcs, Orcs Pop-Up Tavern in Portland, Oregon. 
And you're with me, Godiva Lee, at KBOO Portland, listening to a Radio Geekly. And the idea of, like, orcs is to kind of offer, like, a time for people to not have to schedule their own D&D game once a month. We do it for them. Yes. Oh, what's, what's, what's it entail? And a lot of people email me, uh, hey, uh, what, what do I get? I'm like, well, what you get um, is dinner, dessert, and D&D. And that alone sells this little concept that we came up with like a year and a half ago. We originally started with us just wanting to do Alejandro de la Perum, bartender at um, Teardrop, who, thank you very much. Yay, Alejandro, we love you. Please. He had done a cool interview with a uh, with a, a, a drink magazine and mentioned how much he loves D&D. And I was at Function, it's an event space on 23rd Street. I saw it and I texted him, I was like, hey, Alejandro, that's right, you play D&D. Can we do a D&D, like a guild, only service industry, bartenders, servers, chefs, and cooks? And it's like, I'm all about that. I'm like, I have a space to do it in. Like, let's just do this. And um, the first three were like that. The idea was we're going to have a pop-up tavern, like very Game of Thrones style, very um, Green Dragon or the Prancing Pony, right? Like, let's like tavern it yeah. as hard as possible. And then you can also play D&D. And that's where it started. Of course, a beautiful thing happened. A lot of people wanted to bring their friends, or their SOs, or their whatevers. And so they, it started out smaller? How many people did you invite? Uh, we were doing like 25, and it was too much for that little space. Um, did you put the word out or anything when it first started, or was it just friends? Okay. It was. And, and what, what worked about it was that they were like, yo, this is awesome. I want to come next month. Let's do more. And I'm like, space is too small. Yeah, it's almost like too small now. I feel like because tickets get sold out within like a week before. The sometimes, event. sometimes not. Uh, we've experimented with doing two uh, events a month or just one. Uh, one's easy. Two's a little trickier, especially around the holidays. But fear not. Uh, January, February, and March are the ultimate months for us nerds. It's our ultimate gaming. It's the outside. Like we don't want to go outside. Like we have no problem just playing D&D with friends. Yeah. So the idea of it, like, getting bigger is really exciting to me because it's, it's a big deal, like Rose City Comic Con. We, we did a panel this year. Next year we have a booth. We always want to be, like, the, the cool Portland D&D thing and not, like... Oh, me and Jess, the other gal that hosts a Radio Geekly. We were talking about this, too. Like, we got to find stuff to throw out over the air that is, like, some sort of, like, creature comfort because everybody knows about Trivia Night. You know, like everybody's mm -hmm. got their little trivia spot. You go and you get cozy inside at a bar. No, Orcs is very similar to this. Yeah, idea. exactly. Yeah. But you also get like food, like you get stuffed. Like. Yeah, and going back to what I was saying earlier, it's not just like um, uh, Mountain Dew and Cheetos. <laughs> like you get dinner and dessert. Yeah, and then you buy awesome drinks because we always pop out at a bar that is like has awesome beer. We did cidery pop-ups at Refernat Cider, who's a wonderful sponsor of ours. Like, we've done cool spaces. Wayfinder was awesome. Great beer place. It's not your... I always want to have a fun joke. Like, it's not like... It's not like your image of Stranger Things version of D&D. It's like, it's, like, it's like a fun adult version of D&D. Our motto is roll dice, get drunk, have fun. And that is what we do. And people love it. The, the, the reason we're successful is... We're like having no problem like booking things. We offer two things: awesome environment with like drinks and fun, and like an actual dinner. Yeah, you, it's a date night. When I signed up too, it's like super uh, sensitive to dietary needs too, which is really cool. Like, Welcome to Portland, my dear. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. What would I do if I ever moved out of Portland without all these vegan bars? You would starve and I die. I would die. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> never, 
if you have a gluten intolerance, don't move to Spain. You'll die. Forewarning <laughs> <laughs> for all the listeners out there. Um, I had someone, oh, by the way, Godiva, I had someone uh, hit me from Colorado, outside of Boulder. I was like, I want to do this. Do you guys franchise? And it's an idea that we've had. TM, 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 TM. Don't steal my idea. Yeah. And and like that is something that we're like kind of playing with the idea with. Luckily, and this is the other thing I want to add to like the whole like this is what works rules. Our staff of DMs, we've got at least thirteen of them. Some play, some don't. Some are part of the conversation on Slack. Some aren't. We've got a lawyer. Oh. We've got we've got web designers. <laughs> we've got Airbnb employees. Like yeah. we have the best nerd mix you could ever hope for doing this as their side hustle fun project whereas I'm doing it as my side hustle like this is actually gives me a ton I can't be more proud of like my group of workers and my friend group everything has changed once we started playing D&D professionally there's air quotes here but it's not professionally it's more like as an entertainment thing I know that there's a lot of you know Twitch players and um, like like uh, you can watch people play D and love it. I get it. I'm an acquisition incorporated person. Lucky enough to meet um, Chris Perkins when he came to Level Eater. Uh, Chris Frank from the Decemberans hosted it at um, Halfling Studios in Northwest Portland. Keith Baker's now like our homie, which is great. He made the Illimat game for the Decemberans as an avid game creator and made Eberron. Thank you, Keith Baker. But it was cool to see. Like how wide the the D and D community can be in Portland, and that's why we want to be like the go to D and D group. So they rotate regularly. It depends on who's available. It's it's a very side house. It's all side houses for us. Like I'm a yeah. professional pastry chef. Like like everyone has their own job, but they all want to play D and D. The fun part is when they like start chatting on. On, on Slack about like what their idea is and it's yeah. a mini exchange and they get really nerdy about it and I get to like kind of oversee it um, for my position and like add something to it um, and then the other part of my job is printing for them I get to know a little snippet about everyone's adventure they're like hey Anthony can you print this map um, also here's like a few handouts of like caricatures like I'm gonna show this to my table so I can like look at what they're gonna do I don't play in an orcs event. I don't DM them. I MC and I organize them, which is interesting for me. So I'm like removed from their adventure. And man, Godiva, I can't tell you how hard it is to just talk to anyone of my buddies. I'll like I'll poke in on the table and be like, oh, I just want to check in. How you guys doing? All the players are like super looking at the. They're they're engrossed with the game. Like Jake's like. Oh man, uh, we're doing awesome. I'm about to kill this mofo. Uh, also, can I get like another beer? I'm like, I got you, brother. So like, I kind of like cocktail it. Like, yeah. Um, it's like a it's like a front of house manager in like the best way. Like I just touch the tables. Yeah. And make sure everything's. Good. No, I could tell you were super interested the other night when I went, mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, I'm too busy fighting a <laughs> <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> and that's that's what I do. Yeah. Oh my, one of my favorite things to do when Max, uh, Hobbs or Angelo are DMing, I'll roll up right next to them and they will be like, they'll say something insanely silly, especially Max will just like throw something out and I'll look at them and I'll look at the players and they look at me, I'm like, 
have fun with that. I'm going to go. <laughs> Max and Angela are super, super good at describing everything you do in D&D, and that's what 5th edition D&D. Thank you, Wizard of the Coast. Thank you, Greg Tito. Thank you, Chris Perkins. Um, that is what they do uh, as DMs, and I think it's wonderful. It does extend the game. It does make it longest. Like, Angela always has the longest game, but no one hates that. Like, they like it. Describing every, like, arrow bolt and like sword slash really adds to like the the role playing element of the game and that's why orcs is important because we're doing fifth edition D&D which is a bunch of role playing that lets a lot of people out of their shell and allows a lot of people from all walks of life all styles all genders all the stuff be in a little play for the night and that's what we offer at orcs like that our staff is not hardcore rules luring D&D it's extremely loose and fun. And I've had a bunch of like very intense D&D players, we play by the rules, we're not messing around, be so, first of all, they were not super psyched for the first 20 minutes, I could tell, because it was too loose. By the fourth hour, when they're like leaving, after they had a full meal and dessert, and like had a and few a couple beers, beers. <laughs> they were so happy that they just got to like act, they could, flaunt it they could just be themselves and that's yeah. kind of what orcs does i mean we have t one to two events a month and we have people having there's not a campaign it's always one shots because we want to theme every month around for instance november was harvester of sorrows not thanksgiving just harvest time right yeah. the october like the you know uh, the october one was not really a halloween thing like we kind of play around with it quest of this which is coming up the adventure for the rest of us is our holiday one like we kind of keep it open i uh, i'm talking to keith baker about um doing um orcs go on vacation to eberron that's going to be our january one because we always want to do a vacation one in january and make like the food like very vacation centric we try to make the theme so fun that people want to come back for another one it's not like more D&D next month. Okay. No, it's like, it's like super new D&D next month. Yeah, I really appreciate it too because I'm super new in D&D and I've sat with other people that were really new and then I've also sat with people who I think last night's team, there was a couple that's been doing it for like 30 years. Jenny and Ryerson, yeah. Yeah, and the mood is so relaxed that nobody is ever like upset. I'm still learning like which dice are which and everything and like everybody's super like, we were even fighting each other. Our characters were battling against each other. And I would pause and I'd be like, what does this mean real quick, dude? And she's like, oh, no, yeah, this is this and this is that. And then I stab you. And I'm like, okay, okay <laughs> thank you for the help. That's a great thing for me to bring up, too. We are all about, you're a new player. Yeah. We're 50% new players every time we do this. Yeah. I, I, can, I have a little spreadsheet that shows me who's played before and who hasn't. It's always at least 50% new players. Awesome. Yeah. Which means 50% new guests. Thank you very much. And then it's also like 60% female, which is a huge thing. But also, like, it's kind of special for us to be making like headways in like the various climates that we can with that in mind. Jenny and Ryerson met in 1984 playing a DD &D game. Oh. They got I know married. so many couples it's that a met. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's cool. Yeah. They're so cute. They, uh, for the Halloween one, um, they came. We did that at Bithouse Saloon, which is a great location for us to do it upstairs at their um, private event space. Oh, it's so perfect. It looks like a tavern up there. They came in like full on, like Sir Francis Drake level. Like he had like pantaloons and tights, and like they were like garbed 
to the max, so and I couldn't stop obsessing. And every time one of their uh, the their co players were had finally arrived to the event, you know, between six and six thirty, I'd be like, Lord and Lady Ryson, please accept. Andy to your table and they're like we accept Andy <laughs> like, like, like and Manny has arrived John and Tori and they're like, mm, John. like and, and almost like that like that feastly way when, when you roll to a plate uh, it's how I imagine like an over the top orchestrated dinner at you know a 14th century English uh, manner would go down. Yeah. And those guys are my favorites. Also, um, Jenny's extremely lucky and always wins raffles. I don't know how she does it. She like magics it up. But that's a good example of OG D&D players been playing forever that want to play with us and then very, very new don't know what a D12 between a D20 is which is like the weirdest to me. It, that That's one that gets confused the most. That's what Orcs does. It makes... Are you talking about the circle one and then the less circle one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he'll show you how new I am. Uh, so, so to me, like that—that's what Orcs does. Is it makes this is not like this is where you bring your friend that's always wondered about D and D to. That's what we do. We cater a D and D party just for you. It will cost you money, but that money goes to my DMs. All get paid. The kitchen gets paid. Uh, the rent gets paid to just take over a space and and um, you know, have a private event there. Um, and then you spend money at the bar for a few drinks, and that is why we can do what we do. I appreciate it too, just because uh, trying to get a group of nerds all together in one room once a week or once every two weeks, I'm calling out my entire D&D group right now, is <laughs> very oh, difficult. It's very difficult, everybody's busy, everybody's a grown up, I get it, but if I can just pay $45. Then you're invested, <laughs> aren't you? Yes, I am a little bit. I yeah. mean, uh, so so Chef Law is also our, one of our DMs. Law at um, Law Johnson at uh, at Game Nights uh, runs D&D memes um, on Facebook. And there's about a thousand awesome memes about like, oh, I'm trying to get my D&D group together. <laughs> 15 years later, like, sorry. Like, it's just never, like, uh, and it's the hardest thing to do. Um, and then there's, like, a dependable spot where you know you can always go the first Monday. And yes, and you know what you're getting. And, you, and you're not like, oh, man, who's going to buy the pizza this time? Which is totally cool. Like, we've often rocked that. We, we do that stuff all the time. I love that people know that they're getting an experience. That's our Facebook handle. We're Orcs, Orcs, Orcs on Instagram. Orcs, Orcs, Orcs uh, on Twitter. Like, that's, we are a, a dinner pop-up. You could not even care about D&D and still, like, have, like, a really fun, like, rustic meal with us for a low number, including dessert from the company I work for, Little Bean uh, Chickpea-Based Ice Cream that's opening up with a pearl in, a, in the new year. That's, that's one thing. But we offer this extra, like, you get four hours of D&D. You have an evening of D&D. And it's not just like bar food no, either. This no. is like this we is also it. your job as well is yep. to like actually cook. Me and Law food. talk about it. I've cooked a few. I cook uh, five of them now. Law does a lot of them. And any restaurant or bar, Wayfinder, the Nerd Out. Shout out to Mitch. Mitch is an awesome chef. He's got so much credentials. I love the Nerd Out. It's a wonderful space. Um, Reverend Nat's Cidery. Dude, uh, my friends um, Megan and Jeremy who run a Viking Soul Food, the awesome like a uh, uh, Lefsa Swedish food cart that's on Belmont. They did the catering there, and it was wonderful. We got to play D&D, eat Viking food around giant cider tanks at Reverend Nat's. Nat West is a great guy. He's a big D&D fan, like, um, and Nick Jarvis is my contact there. Like, it's wonderful to work with those guys. They give us stuff to give away. 
Um, there's raffles at every single orcs. Like we give away stuff from Wizards of the Coast. Greg Tito donates things. My friend um, Douglas Bailey, uh, who's at um, Columbia uh, Beverage, like had all uh, the Dragon's Milk Stout for us for like a year. We got really we got really lucky with our cool friends, our sponsory friends that were giving us free things to hand out just to make their business better. Guerrilla marketing is good for. It's a very D and D thing, actually. You know, yeah. you think about it, like. Let's just figure out ways to like spread the word around to you know forty people at a month. Um, we have so many fun, awesome DMs creating adventures that we decided to start publishing them. My friend Dan is the main publisher of the archives, and uh, you can find this through our website. Um, they are available kind of mixed between RPG drive-through and DMs Guild. The Unquiet is his first adventure. Where's Wizard Hut is our shout out to my brother, my brother and me. Yeah. Oh, it's a good <laughs> adventure. It's fun. That. It's super fun. And then um, DM Dave made a very awesome first level adventure called Down the Hole. Classic. We put a lot of work in this. We employ uh, local artists like um, Hugh Newell and Sarah Yoshi, one of our favorite peoples in the world. Um, but uh, we love to sell these things. So it's not really an eBay thing. It's more of like a um, RPG drive through or... Um, uh, DMs Guild to, to sell it, but you can also email us and we'll send you a hard copy that's really beautiful. We do an old school module style. I do all the cartography for it uh, and edit some. Uh, and we have a few more things coming out. Uh, I also mentioned that we will be at Rose City Comic Con in 2019 uh, with a booth. We did a panel last year, which is cool. It's called Polyhedrons of the People, just talking about how to make simple games for people for four hours kind of thing and what we do sharing D&D with people for a pretty minimal fee with dinner included is what we do. I saw the first half of that, yeah. And Max was talking about mm -hmm. how he based some of his uh, scenarios off of random punk parties that he ran yeah. into. <laughs> like, basing the characters, like, getting lost in this mosh pit and somebody's vomited in the bottom of the pit and, like, you gotta work your way out. Yeah, I remember that panel. Genius work yeah. is what it is. <laughs> I, also like to give I was it like, I wanna go to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, go down. Yeah. I'd also like to give a shout-out to all my DMs. And that's another thing that we're really trying to do um, is make sure we always have, like, a, a growing group of DMs that, that, like, have their own skill sets, which is really lovely. Orcs, Orcs, Orcs is a tavern pop-up that runs D&D dinner and dessert. We always, in the early side of the month, are at Game Night Lounge. Thank you, Christian and Andrew, for letting us occupy your space and having a buyout on a Monday. It's always a Monday event. So Game Night Lounge on Williams is a board game bar that is one of the most special things, I think. Whole bar. Wonderful stuff. They got some interesting things there. We are always there. That's our home base. We They have a cool basement. We get to store stuff in there. Orcs, Orcs, Orcs also likes to pop up at our favorite bars and pubs, including Wayfinder, the beautiful beer bar down uh, in Southeast Industrial. And our newest favorite place is um, upstairs at the Bithouse Saloon. They have a private room up there with a bar, bathroom, and dedicated servers. Sounds good? Yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, Godiva. 
hope for those uh, D&D players, they can find some inspiration to maybe check out one of these pop-ups in the future. This is Lieutenant Sulu of the Starship Enterprise, standing by on the bridge with the Christmas song. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. children and hitting them yes i got the most i win xmas forget it pal you have to party with us no wait i'm the good santa i've got toys at very reasonable prices no wait i'm the good santa i've got toys at very reasonable prices uh i guess if you want children beaten you have to do it yourself uh Yes, if you want children beaten, you have to do it yourself. Ding 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 And the awkward leader goes up another notch. Why are they booing me? Because your song was insincere, boy. Now get out! Make it so. 
Make it so. Make it so. changing folks and it might be a little bit colder and rainier outside but that's no reason why we can't get out and about in the city so this next piece is from me i sat down with anna snyder to talk about the pdx guild of geeks and the upcoming holiday craft fair geek the halls Hey folks, this is Just Jess for Radio Geekly, and I'm joined in the studio by Anna Snyder, PR and Marketing Manager for the PDX Guild of Geeks. Hey, how's it going, Anna? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. For folks that don't know about the PDX Guild of Geeks, can you talk a little bit about the origin story behind that? Sure. Um, we actually started out as an organization called PDX Browncoats. Um, we were a fan group for uh, Firefly and Serenity. Um, for 10 years, we ran the Can't Stop the Serenity screenings uh, to raise money for Equality Now. We would show Serenity on the big screen and invite people to come and watch it and have fun. Um, and that, like I said, we did that for 10 years and then we decided to move on from that. And then within the last year, uh, we kind of took a look at our interests and the interests of the people that we were um, inviting to events and the people who were coming to events and realized that all of our interests were much larger than just Firefly and Serenity, that we were all into a lot of different things. Um, our board member alone is Dungeons and Dragons, costuming, historical costuming, uh, bicycles, you know, just a whole wealth of geeky endeavors. And so we wanted to uh, change the, the organization to reflect that broad range of interests and that's how we became PDX Guild of Geeks. Very cool. And you said you you were raising funds for Equality Now. Mm -hmm. What is that organization? Equality Now is actually a uh, global organization. They're based, they have an office in New York, an office in London, and an office in Tehran. And they uh, use grassroots uh, campaigns to improve the lives of women and girls around the world. So their focus is on um, political uh, 
representation, education, uh, safety, that sort of thing. So we were donating money every year to that. So the PDX Brown Coats is now the PDX Guild of Geeks. Yes. And as your organization, you said you do a lot of support for other organizations like charity work. Mm-hmm. Are you, as uh, the PDX Guild, also like a charity organization? Yeah, we're actually a 501c3 nonprofit. We um, incorporated in 2008. It was a big deal. Um, and so every year we pick a, a an issue, I guess, to focus on. This year it's been LGBTQIA how we can support them we were at pride we're you know q center we're doing that and so we are a nonprofit who does fundraising for other nonprofits i guess is how it works out that's amazing i think that's so important too that local organizations can support uh other organizations that might need you know an extra voice yeah exactly and that's what we how we look at it it's a it's an opportunity for us to um support organizations doing good work and um and you know give and we do good work in exchange so it's it works out for both everyone yeah (laughs) yeah and so with this new change and the new name is there still a lot of work being done for uh, organizations like equality now yeah um we actually um every event that we appear at so we are at rose city comic-con every year we're at emerald city comic-con every year Uh, We raise money for an organization. We pick an organization that we want to donate money to. And then um, on top of that, we tend to do events throughout the year that are fundraisers. And uh, we actually have one coming up in February that I can tell you a little more about. But the the Geek the Halls is actually the only fundraiser we do for ourselves. (laughs) Awesome. So let's talk about the Geek the Halls event. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of just ran into that. Yeah. (laughs) So Geek the Halls, uh, this is our ninth year. It is a geeky holiday craft bazaar, and we invite local artists, Pacific Northwest artists. Sometimes uh, we have people come down from Seattle to uh, sell their wares and um, really represent their artistry and their creativity and um, help connect them to uh, people who are shopping for holiday gifts. Wonderful. How many vendors do you have at at these events? This year we are, I think we're hovering around 85, 86. Um, So we started very small at Trillium Charter School and then we moved to the Jupiter actually for a couple years and now we're at the Lloyd Center Doubletree in the exhibit hall and um, that has given us the ability to really invite and pack in as many vendors as we can and we just have such a great relationship with so many of them and um, we love seeing the returning faces and getting new people in there and it's um, it's just and, and really the it's dangerous for us too because we love to shop in there. It is so amazing. <laughs> the people are so talented that we have, and and it's exciting to see what they're bringing every year. That's great. What are some of the vendors that you're looking forward to? Every year, <laughs> there's a, a knit punk, and um, the woman who runs knit punk, she's amazing. She's like spiked mohawk and just like just amazing, and she has these beautiful scarves that are so warm and just cuddly um and then there's uh nerdwood he has um these great uh pieces that he makes out of wood um one of them is uh he has a bottle opener with a cap catcher and you can uh get like darth vader on it and, <laughs> and like the death star and um just all sorts of really cool wood pieces that he makes by hand um, there's a woman, and I am, her name has escaped me, but she has these uh, really inappropriate greeting cards 
that she ha- that she makes and I love those every time I go by I am um, intrigued by how uh, cursy they are but um, they're just is so talented and um, and I feel privileged to be able to give them a showcase every year it's really an amazing event that I am incredibly proud of awesome what are the dates for the event it is a December 15th and 16th uh, that's a Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. each day and is there a ticket price it's free to the public awesome yeah very cool and so when folks go is there like I always think about like with conventions there's like Mm -hmm. that vendors hall does it kind of have that feel to it yeah a little bit yeah you walk into the exhibit hall at um, the double tree and it's just all vendors all the time (laughs) like just from wall to wall vendors so yeah and we have it broken up in aisles so you could just wander through Um, I know a lot of people who come in that's what they do they it's the con shop you know like you walk through and see what you want and then you go back and actually spend your money (laughs) so it's it's really um, set up that way okay and for folks that want to find out more information about the event where can they go Uh, we do have an event on Facebook and we also do have a website it's pdxguildofgeeks.com there is information on at both those places on our, our Facebook page is PDX Guild of Geeks okay very cool. And you said that you also have some upcoming events for 2019. Yes. What are some things that people can look forward to? Um, in On February 23rd of um, 2019, I'm so excited about this. We're doing an event called Queer Quest, a gaming adventure for to benefit Q Center. So we are running um, a D&D campaigns essentially on all day Saturday. Not all day, I'm sorry. Uh, Saturday evening. Um, we're bringing in a uh, dungeon master who has a podcast called God's Fall. His name is Aram Vardian. We're flying him in from Chicago. He has a VIP table that he's running a game for in the world that he created. And then we will have other tables going on um, for, you know, if you just want to sit down and do a one shot, then you have that opportunity too. And we'll also have some more casual gaming happening. But all that money is going to support Q Center. And um, yeah, it's super exciting. We have some great sponsorships coming through. Um, (laughs) We have a cheese sponsor. Um, Cabot Creamery Co-op in Vermont is actually sending us a bunch of cheese. I don't know why they (laughs) contacted us, but I'm like, I'm all on board cheese. Um, And we're working with some other... um, some other organizations right now to get sponsorships and and it's very exciting guardian games will be donating some items to raffle off and um it's that is so exciting we are on eventbrite eventbrite so if you're interested in tickets it's queer quest there are the vip tickets we have four of those left and then we have a lot of the um we i called it the roll with it (laughs) the roll with it tickets there are many of those available but um yeah, we'd love to see people come out and support Q Center and have fun doing some gaming. Oh, that sounds really fun. Awesome. Um, where can folks, if they want to get involved with the PDX Guild, are you looking for like volunteers in some of these events? Because I know a lot of yeah. these events take a lot of people power. Yes, How can always. people get involved? Um, look for us on Facebook. We're really, that's where we're most active. Um, we have a volunteer coordinator who will hook you up. She's, um, she's really my right-hand person. She... Um, her name is Christine Mooney and I just want to brag on her for a little bit she um, so I started Geek the Halls and she has really made it into the amazing program that it is now it's just it's such a good event and she has really 
done so much work to make that happen. And so um, she is also our magic volunteer coordinator person for events. We like ha we need volunteers at Emerald City Comic Con when we have our table. Um, Queer, Queer Quest, we will need volunteers, um, and Geek the Halls would be great to have some volunteers to help out on on Saturday and Sunday. So, um, yeah, look for us on Facebook, send us a message, and we will get back to you. Wonderful. What are some things you're looking forward to for the holiday season? Oh, not, not only like purchasing, but we're talking holiday hijinks in this episode. Yeah. So maybe movies to check out, things you want to buy, purchase. Oh man, this is hard. Um, I always am a sucker for guardian games so <laughs> i will probably be spending some time there shopping but honestly this year i'm going to walt disney world with my family oh, okay and i am just like that's where i'm at right now like <laughs> i'm just i'm going to walt disney world i have never been in my life it's going to be crazy we're doing a virtual reality star wars game and i'm just i'm on it like nice. that's what i'm doing <laughs> so hijinks that's my hijinks awesome wow <laughs> Man, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to go to Disneyland Park. Nice. So, and I've been, I'm originally from California, mm -hmm. so it's like, but there's so much change that's going on, yeah. and now Star Wars is incorporated yes. in the Disney franchise, and so, yeah, I'm definitely going to be doing something yeah. along the lines in Star Wars in, in that realm. Uh, that's so cool. Yeah. I also enjoy, for the holidays, I like giving... Um, white elephant gifts yeah nerdy gifts mm -hmm. in that way um yep. <laughs> and i know guardian after the uh black friday sale they had a lot of things that were yeah. just hey do you need stocking stuff for ideas awesome <laughs> i'm gonna go i probably will just go wander around and like oh i need this book i totally need it so <laughs> that's that's my my place like if i'm feeling like i need to splurge a little that's where i go right yeah very cool well anna thank you again for coming once again what is the dates and times for the geek the halls december 15th and 16th 10 a.m to 4 p.m both days and where can folks find out more info about the Guild and about all upcoming events? On Facebook.com forward slash PDX Guild of Geeks. Wonderful. Thanks, Anna. Thank you. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Just like the ones I used to know Where those treetops listen And children listen to hear Sleigh bells in the snow Programming of KBU in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBU Community Radio's open meeting policy is available by calling the station at 503-231-8032. Meetings will be held at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue in Portland. The Personnel Committee will meet on the second Monday of each month at 6 p.m. <laughs> This is the battleground 
I'm Jeff Rosenberg. Tune in to the Song Circle every Friday afternoon at 1.30 p.m. Turn their backs on the grisly scenes Trace to the privileged sons And your death will come soon You never know what you'll hear next. You're listening to KBOO Portland, 90.7 FM, Hood River and the Gorge at 91.9 FM, Philomath and Corvallis at 104.3 FM, and streaming on the web at KBOO.FM. I hate a song that makes you think that you're not any good. I hate a song that makes you think you're just born to lose, bound to lose, no good to nobody, no good for nothing. Because you're either too old or too young or too fat or too thin or too ugly or too this or too that. Songs that run you down or songs that poke fun at you on account of your bad luck or your hard traveling. I am out to fight those kind of songs to my very last breath of air and my last drop of blood. I'm out to sing songs that will prove to you that this is your world and that if it's hit you pretty hard and knocked you down for a dozen loops no matter how hard it's run you down and rolled over you, no matter what color, what size you are, how you're built, I am out to sing the songs that will make you take pride in yourself. This year's Willamette Week Give Guide. The Give Guide highlights 150 local nonprofits, including us. Go to kboo.fm slash give to donate through the Give Guide. KBOO is raising $48,000 through the Give Guide this year with your help. I'm Don Jacobson, the program Moving On, and I'm here most Fridays, 12 noon to 1.30. Laurie Sonnenfeld is here on the third Friday of the month and usually bringing you live music. I'm going to kick off the program with um, a couple by Pop Wagner, the first from an anthology put out by Minnesota Public Radio, and it's called The Impressionist Two-Step.
other kinds of paint Eddie said to Claude I got some ruse that is really odd And some indigo from Cairo But I bet you ain't They continued this discussion Over coffee and an English muffin When Andre Darren joined them in their talking beverage You see He was on his way to London the bridge for me. Monet concerned himself with atmosphere and light. He worked on lots of canvases at the same time and as it got darker he just painted on down the line. Manet did some stuff that's really out of sight. Some other guys in that league were Rodin, Cezanne, Lutrec, and don't forget Paul Gauguin. Some other guys in that league 